nothing beats the pure taste of artist vodka. Made with nothing but the finest ingredients, including farro wheat imported from Italy. Perfectly pH-balanced water from the Cascades in Washington State. All blended perfectly into the best organic vodka on the market. Artist Vodka, the art is in the party. Ahoy, mateys, it's your old pal Shipwreck here, reminding you to make sure you tune in to the Heavyweight Chumps every Tuesday, 10 p.m. Central, on Radio Memphis. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Yo, Joe! All right, ladies and gents, we are back with your weekly dose of all those over-the-top movies that we know you love. It is time for another episode of Earth Nerds Are Cheesy. I'm your host, Maddox, and, well, I'm a nerd. And I'm Kevlar Kate, and I'm a nerd. We, guys, if you're out there listening... We have done a lot for you guys with what we have forced ourselves to watch. Oh, it was so painful. Especially in recent weeks that we decided we kind of deserved a break this week. Yes, we did. We so deserved a break. So while we did indeed stick with cheesy movies, if you choose to call them that. I I choose to call them classics. Me too. But we chose three films from the library of the great Mel Brooks for you this week, folks. Yes, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. It always is. Um, as they say, it's true, it's true. <laughs> uh, we have got three Mel Brooks movies for you. We have Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Let's give him the chop. <laughs> yes. Spaceballs, cancel the soup. And of course, Blazing Saddles. Which, quite frankly, I can't quote because almost every line in that film is racist. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, <laughs> On purpose. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's clearly a satire. But before we go into those, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to give you a chance to brag a little bit. Oh, For you're not supposed to ambush me. No, 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 no. For one, I saw this Halloween costume for this year. Yes, I'm so excited about what my Halloween costume was. That was the most terrifying casserole I've ever seen. (laughs) Okay, so um, for those of you uh, who don't know me, um, I actually dressed up as a... And don't worry, I will put this picture up on our Twitter page. That's fine. Uh, As a 1950s... Uh, housewife. So when you see me, because I have to wear, you know, the mask to go into the Halloween party. So I have the Halloween uh, makeup. My makeup is perfect with the winged eyeliner. And I have my kid, you know, white gloves on with my blue 
and white polka dot dress and my pearls and my hat. Because no Southern lady shows up to a party without her pearls. Without her pearls or a casserole. You got to bring a casserole and wear your pearls. So I'm holding the dish and nobody can see what's inside of it. But then when I take off my mask, my red lipstick is smudged. And I take the lid off of my casserole, and it's a whole bunch of body parts and eyeballs and bones. It was awesome. Now I we know. Well, wow, now we know why your <laughs> why your son's in such great shape. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of actually a parody for the way the world is now. Oh, is, everything looks okay, but underneath, we're all just a big old mess. Yeah, seconds away from snapping and going completely bonkers. And the question is, and say, speaking of completely bonkers, when I first saw it, I remember looking at my wife and I'm going, I know her well enough to know that having that smudged lipstick is driving her absolutely crazy <laughs> right now. It, it was. It really was. I was like, Argh! but I had to leave it alone because it was a part of the costume. <laughs> I felt really self-conscious about it all night because I'm like, I have smudged lipstick. <laughs> and she didn't even earn it. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> Don't go there. Oh, man. But yeah, it was a great look. Um, but that's not that's not all the bragging you get to do. Well, shoot. That's what I said. You're not supposed to ambush me. I was okay talking about the... Uh, the Halloween costume. But our lovely co-host over there has recently been announced as part of two new film projects. Yes. So I thought um, we'd let you spill the beans on those. <laughs> well, um, one of them is called The Legacy of Christ. I play a character in it. Her name is Annie. Um, and it's from uh, director, producer, writer, uh, Gunter Sanderson. So... Uh, I've been in his movies before. I've been in his movie called Amy's Story. And uh, he invited me back to be a part of this new feature-length movie. Um, try to remember which other one I was you saw on, <laughs> on Facebook. Because um, I was just in, that's being released, let's see, next week for Halloween. Uh, there's a... A, a horror movie that would have that been I'm last there. week for Halloween by the time this airs. Oh, that's true. That's true. Um, so it was a horror movie from my friend, Tarsha Gibson. She wrote, directed, produced it. Um, I was out filming that one, um, a couple weeks ago and she, she finished it pretty quickly. So that was good. Um, Trying to think, what else are you talking about? <laughs> I saw two, and it seemed like you got announced in another <laughs> cast, but I think maybe it was just the two. Yeah, um, and actually, Smith, um, that is being shown right now at Indie Memphis. So if you are hearing this now, then it's actually too late to watch it, but Smith will be shown at other film festivals throughout the country. And we're going to try to find a way to get a copy of it so that we can watch it, too. <laughs> hey, because, you know, I have to. You, you, well, you know, at some point I have to cover a cheesy movie that you've done. Oh, I've been in several cheesy movies. I love cheesy movies. And if I'm not a part of a cheesy movie, then there's something wrong with me. No, I'm kidding. I, I don't know. how. I, look, I don't know how sci-fi hasn't cast you yet. <laughs> 
They're going to put you in the, they're going to make you be in the, in the remake of Sharknado. No. <laughs> no. No. Shame on you, Maddox. Shame, shame, shame. You take that back. <laughs> no, I have to, before we get into the movies, I have to tell you about a horrendous viewing experience that I had last week. Uh-oh. I call it a horrendous viewing experience. It was actually really funny. It was just one particular thing that happened that really gave me bad flashbacks to things that we have watched here on this show this season. Uh-oh. I watched a film. We had an interview, if you remember, last week on, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago back on the radio show. We had a, an actress by the name of Sadie Katz that joined us. And Sadie has done uh, Wrong Turn 6 um, and several other films in the horror genre. One in particular was known as Bus Party to Hell. <laughs> and she, I, I had looked it up and she tells us about this movie a little bit while we have the interview with her, right? So. Sorry, I'm just giggling. No, trust me, it's worth it. Um, my. My friendly sidekick Thunder Cookies and I decided to watch this last week after we got done with the interview. We put it, it was on Amazon Prime. So we thought, okay, let's give this a watch. And the open of the film, uh, Tara Reed is running in the, uh, in the desert screaming from something trying to kill her. She beheads a guy. And at some point, the head rolls up to her and starts talking, and I automatically went, oh, my God. So that's where Swamp Head came from. <laughs> Love it. So we had Swamp Head. We had Tara Reed. Luckily, Tara Reed, as a matter of fact, uh, Sadie played the bus driver in this film. Mm-hmm. And she ran over Tara Reed with the bus early on in the film. Oh, good. As I was watching the film when that happened, I sent her a text. Thank you for taking out Tara Reed so early. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you have to deal with it because it's it's these people are surrounded by they're on their way to Burning Man. And they get surrounded by this cult in the desert. And they are trying to get one of the girls off of the bus because she is a virgin and they're going to sacrifice her. So you have all these out in the out in the desert around the bus, dancing around, doing crazy stuff. They're drinking blood out of a glass, you know, out of I don't know what you call. They look like pimp cups to me, but chalices, I guess, would be the right way, right word. Pimp cups. Well, they look like pimp cups, but I guess you would have to call them a chalice if you're trying to be polite. Um, But they're drinking the blood, and there's blood just all over them. There's the girl. None of the girls have on enough to amount to clothing. Um, and we get onto the bus and they realize that the girl is a virgin. Now, so to save her life, they send her below where they store all the the luggage with the one single dude on the bus (laughs) to lose her virginity. Yeah. They think at this point, the bus driver who was in the cult and had stolen the bus to drive them there, had swallowed the key to the bus. So they they proceed to cut her open to find the key. 
as they're doing it, the blood is dripping down through the cracks all over where they're having. And, and by all means, I think this may have very well been a Skinamax movie, honestly, because it was kind of an odd sex scene to watch for a movie because it got a little too intense for my taste. And the blood starts spilling all over this girl. And then all of a sudden she turns into a demon mid-ride turns into a demon and like rips this dude's chest open and then they have to run then they have to get away from her and the cult (laughs) awesome it's it is a crazy and here's the the best part of the whole thing is i was watching it and right after they broke down in the desert the guy all of them get off the bus to kind of just stretch their legs for a minute they walk around to the front of the bus and nobody realizes that where the emblem should be that tells you the brand of the bus and how they didn't get tr- sued, I'll never know, was the Autobot symbol. <laughs> I, I caught that and I, I paused it and I said, is that the Autobot symbol? And he goes, yep. I said, how did they not get sued? <laughs> wow. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those crazy movies and it's one I may very well bring back for an episode here. Uh, because Sadie would be a great guest for this based on some of her films that she loves to talk about because she loves cheesy horror like we do. Yay! And loves doing the cheesy horror films. Um, she's actually, if you go to the Red Box now, there's a new uh, Amityville that has released, and she's actually the star in that. But yeah, that was that was a movie that threw me because I'm like, wait, Tara Reid and Swamphead, this is too much. That is way too much. So let's let's clear your mind. Well, no, let me let me hit you with one more thing. I was like, let's go to the land of Bell Brooks. We're going, <laughs> but we're gonna go real after I say this. The entire time we're watching those Thunder Cookies is going, oh, you got to make Kate watch this. I'm like, uh, uh-uh, she'll kill me. She'll hate this worse than boobs and bugs. <laughs> I said because there's a whole lot more boobs and no bugs. <laughs> nope. Then I shall pass. But yeah, uh, if you're out there and you're bored, by all means, check out Bus Party to Hell. It's a good hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) Again, if you are having some drinks. (laughs) But now, yeah, it's it's time to reach ludicrous speed. Mm, Not yet. No, but we got to take ludicrous speed to get away from this movie. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, so we're going to open this bag of worms with what's actually the most recent film of the Mel Brooks collection, at least on our list. On our list. Yes, because we, ha- we are only able to choose three and we get- we're going to have to run through it quickly. So and we know there will be another Mel Brooks episode because there's still plenty of movies to go through. Definitely. Uh, first one that we chose was Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Yes. I love this movie. I actually have this movie on VHS. I have the v- I have it on VHS and DVD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also have Blazing Saddles on VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> Although yes. Spaceballs, I only own on Blu-ray. Oh, that's my favorite one. Anyway, Robin Hood Men in Tights from 1993. I am always amazed by Mel Brooks' ability 
to get these big name stars in his movies. It is just beyond me. I guess because people just love doing stuff that is really funny and entertaining. And and if you get to be attached to a Mel Brooks project, his name carries a certain level of cachet at this point. No, that's true. (laughs) That is true. Because he has a very long history of writing amazing, relevant films. Yes. Yes, he does. And this one... <sighs> I, I okay. <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this I, one. <laughs> you know, okay, this is clearly Mel's homage to all of the Robin takes on the Robin Hood legend that we have seen throughout the years from God Kevin Costner to however other many versions they've done Errol Flynn and you got a little bit of a mix of both of those in this film um the fact of the matter that you have Isaac Hayes in this movie in a very small role you have a very very young Dave Chappelle yep I think it was his first uh theatrical debut I believe it may have been and uh he was Asni, or no, Achu. Achu. Isaac Hayes was Asni. Asni's father of Achu. <laughs> as he would introduce himself. And then, of course, Carrie Elways as Robin of Loxley. Yeah. Now, Carrie Elways, for those of you that the name may not ring a bell with you, but there's three things that I can pretty much say that one of them you'll know him from. Of course. Uh, number three. Princess Bride. My favorite movie of all time. A complete waste of time. You know what? You're just a bad co-host. No, I just hate that movie. (laughs) Uh, My brother was obsessed with that film when I was younger. Mm -hmm. It was on so much. I can't stand it anymore. Aw. And I was a wrestling fan. So Andre the Giant in a movie was a great thing for me, but it just didn't work in this one. Um, I went back and tried to rewatch it in its entirety for the first time in years, uh, last year, and I just couldn't get through it. But if it's not for, if if it's not for that, then you know him for the crush mm-hmm. with, of course, Alicia Silverstone, or you may know him as the fella chained up. In the very first version, in the very first in the film series, Saw. Saw. So trust me, you know him from one of those. You know him. But there are so many other people in this, and there are so many great moments in Robin Hood, Ben and Tights. Musical numbers. which Amy Yazbeck steals this film for me. <laughs> As made Marion. Yes. Yes. I love her fake accent. Her she fake did. accent. And I also love the her handmaid. Oh, yeah. Broom, Broomhilda. Broomhilda. Because every time they said that or that woman's name, it was a throwback almost to young Frankenstein. Yes. Which is one of the things I love about Mel's movies is he'll always somehow there's always kind of a little nudge to his other films. Of course. Yes. 
This one was. It was this, and I think Dracula Dead and Loving It are the last two he's done. Aside from the remake of The Producers. Yeah. And this is just, it's a fun movie, don't get me wrong, but its it misses the mark in a lot of ways. Well, I, I think out of all his movies, this one isn't as, I mean, it's entertaining, but it's not as, you don't. It's not as in your face. Right. I was like, I can't really think of what I'm trying to say, but it does still deal with some of the bigger issues surrounding uh, the political climate at the time. Sure. But I think, I think this movie focused more on making fun of other movies than it did with having a message like his other ones did. Right. It, I mean, it even went as far as making fun of the Godfather at certain times. And the Godfather. Hey, it made fun of Kevin Costner. Uh, it made fun. Oh, do you remember the big eggs that the types came in? Yes. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but the whole men in tights <laughs> musical number when they're first putting them on is the, is probably the highlight of the film overall. That's one of the funniest little bits that I think happens in this film. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. It is. It's one of those movies that if it's on and I'm flipping through, I'll watch it. It's not one that that I'm going to watch every time. Yeah. Uh, Unlike several others of his that if I'm flipping through and I'm like, oh, hell, this is on. I'm sitting down for a while. True. Where? Um, My I I just don't like the scenes with Latrine with Tracy Ullman. <laughs> <laughs> I don't no, like those scenes. No. I was like, I they just don't mesh with the movie at all. No, but I will say this: Richard Jenny as Prince John <laughs> was just. I mean, even straight up to even to the bathtub scene, I'm like, oh god, he's basically a th- version of Hedley Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I said Headley. <laughs> yes. But yeah, they he did uh, a lot in that one. And rather than having a focused story, it was more about, okay, let's take shots at this, which by that time in the 90s is what parody had really become. Yes. Um, because look no further back than our viewing of Hot Shots pop deal. That's correct. <laughs> Which would be, if I remember correctly, about the same time frame. Yes, actually. So, when it comes to Men in Tights, I say if you want to watch Men in Tights, watch wrestling. It'll be almost, it'll be more enjoyable at this point. (sighs) I still love Robin Hood Men in Tights. I say go ahead and watch it. It's not as good as his other ones, but a Mel Brooks film is a whole lot better than 80% of the stuff out there. I'll agree with you on that. I, I will definitely agree with you on that. It's uh, It'll definitely beat watching Election Returns. <laughs> um, now, we go from medieval times to Space Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> This is well. This is um, Spaceballs, nineteen eighty-seven, is in <clears throat> my top ten. 
favorite movies of all time. Well, that means if you ever say a movie's in your top 10, that generally means it's at number 10. No. I'm just saying it's in my top 10. I See, I have Blazing Saddles in my top three. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not, I, don't, I don't have Spaceballs in my top 10. It's probably in my top 25. Ah. But it is... I remember seeing this one the... As soon as it hit on VHS. Um, and again, this again, aging me horribly. If you remember in 87, not everyone owned a VCR yet. That's true. You had to rent some places you could vent, rent the VCR and the movie. Yep. And so my dad comes home with a VCR and a copy of that. And I think I watched it eight times before I took it back. Because it. it is just one of those movies that to me is timeless. Mm -hmm. You have some fantastic performances. Mel Brooks in a double role. Yes. Uh, as President Scrooge and, of course, the great and powerful Yogurt. Yogurt? <laughs> yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you, of course... Gosh, again, look at the cast in this one. Oh, yeah. John Candy is a sidekick. You know, that's... <laughs> Joan Rivers is a freaking robot. Yeah, and, and at that time, Bill Pullman was unknown. Right, and then Daphne Zuniga as the princess, Princess Vespa. Princess Vespa. But Prince Valium. <laughs> <laughs> Prince Valium. That poor guy needed to get off the pills. Bless his heart. He was out of it. And if there's one thing that I've learned from this movie, it's never flip the switch from suck to blow. Ha, ha, ha. It doesn't end well. <laughs> Have you also noticed that now, now this, this movie is kind of hitting on some of the current things. You can buy cans of air now. <laughs> That is true. And, um, yeah. So I say I'm, I am hereby backing President Scrooge. <laughs> okay. Look, it can't be worse. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Do you know Scrooge is an anagram for Brooks? Yes, I do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Considering he, he spelled it S K R O O B. Mm-hmm. And I I wanted to do I wanted something so badly in that film that what? didn't happen. What? When he's playing President Scrooge mm -hmm. as a throwback to Blazing Saddles, much like when he was playing Governor William J. La mm -hmm. I wanted him to have P R E S period on the back of his jacket. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. I actually made a shot at an independent film once that I couldn't tell you where it is because it was that bad. <laughs> um, but I actually had a guy that was playing an IRS agent and on the back of his jacket. I just put GOV. <laughs> 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 that was my way of kind of having some fun with it. But John Candy in this as Barf. Oh, yes. Oh, God. I mean, 
Anytime you can talk about John Candy, he makes a movie. It's not, it can be nothing more than a certain way he looks at somebody. But the image of him as Barf in the Stormtrooper suit. <laughs> With the tail stick. Kills me every time. <laughs> me too. Oh my goodness. It's great. It's great. And I mean, it's not really, it's really a good movie. I mean, especially when you look at the fact that you have Rick Moranis playing Lord Dark Helmet, who is always surrounded by assholes. That's their names. I know. But it was, it is one of the funniest damn things still to this day that I have watched. Yes. And uh, the desert scene is one of my favorites. Oh, <laughs> that's <laughs> we ain't found shit. <laughs> I mean, the two the two black stormtroopers having to use an afro pick was kind of wrong, but it was funny. Uh, yes. And then you had a very quick appearance of of Michael Winslow. <laughs> Yes, he did all of his own special effects or sound effects. Right. With that. Which is awesome. I don't know. I think, I have to say, I think Lone Star is probably the weak link in this cast. But he pulled it off pretty well. I think he pulled it off pretty well, but he wouldn't have been who I would, who I was looking for. But then you had so many other established actors, you probably could have got, you could get away with trying to make one. And of course, Bill Pullman down the road had a a stellar career. Oh yes, he did. Um, but for those that are not aware of space balls, this is his throw up of the, uh, throw up. Sorry. Um, his barf takedown of (laughs) yeah. Barf. Uh, this is his takedown of space movies. Yes. All space movies. And he got permission from George Lucas to parody star Wars. As long as he never put out any official merchandise. Right. Which sucks. And I think if you look at the car that Princess Vespa escapes in, Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of a throwback to a movie we just recently watched. The Last Starfighter. Ah. Look at the car. It looks a lot like it. It does look a lot like it. Then again, it may have just been parked somewhere on the lot when they made the movie and they said, screw it, let's use this again. (laughs) (laughs) Put some new rims and tires on it. Let's make it work. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But there there are really amazing lines in this movie. I quote from this movie all the time. You know, I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Um, Oh, goodness. Uh, He gave me the raspberry. Uh, oh good I can't even my brother's cousin's second sister's (laughs) (laughs) I can't even keep that straight when they start saying how they're related yeah and then the one two three four five and then they get them when they get tangled up yes there are so many amazing comedic moments number one Lone Star is flying around space in a freaking Winnebago (laughs) yes and it might be the coolest damn Winnebago I've ever seen (laughs) oh yeah um then you we 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 gotta talk about yogurt because we kind of glanced over him 
Yes, yogurt. Yogurt, of course, being the Yoda type character, who although doesn't make nearly the appearances that Yoda generally does in Star Wars. No. He does get the one long scene where they can go over a lot of, and it's funny that he got the permission from Lucas to do this without, as long as he agreed not to put out merchandise. And then they did an entire scene in the film about merchandise. Yeah, and they never put out a single bit of it. No. Um, I personally wanted the flamethrower. <laughs> I don't think my parents would have gotten it for me, but my grandparents loved me. They would have. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's a bunch of stuff that would have been really cool to have, but I understand that. Well, look at you. I mean, I, mean, I mean, look at you. You even have a Spaceballs mask for this pandemic. Yes, but it's not an official no, it's just Spaceballs, the face mask. It is Spaceballs, the face mask, and I love it. It's it, it's it's the second coolest mask I've seen. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that because I don't want to know what beats the Spaceballs face mask. It's the one I got from Mo Alexander that says, save the world, slap the stupid. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, I, I give you resounding approval to go watch this film and watch it a couple of times because you're going to pick up things you didn't see the first time through. Oh, I'm still picking up things that I have missed or or haven't noticed like I didn't notice when I was a kid. Every time I rewatch it, I see something new and I understand something differently. But you know what I did do as a kid? What? I fast forwarded through that one minute and 32 seconds of that ship in the very beginning. <laughs> Because it went on and on. I was like, is this never going to end? Yeah, they made that last a while. <laughs> a one minute and 32 seconds, exactly. Um, I, Where do you stand on the potential of a sequel? I would love to see a sequel. However, I know that with a lot of the cast members passing away, and Rick Moranis not even acting anymore. Well, he was going to make a comeback to acting, and then he got jumped in New York. So I don't know if he's going to now or not. Yeah. Um, because I know Mel was wanting to do a sequel and had bragged about the fact that he was actually going to do it, but he was waiting until they finished the Star Wars saga. Right. And if that's the case, then now that's done. But Mel's 93, 94. Yeah, and this is one of my things. There are two people in the world that you do not need to, um, uh, that that we just don't want to die. One is Mel Brooks. The other is Betty White. Agreed. Wholeheartedly agreed. If if we lose either one of those or both of them in the same year, knock on wood, hopefully we don't, that is going to be devastating. Yes, it is, because they kind of always have been looked at as like a, as kind of America's grandparents. <laughs> if that makes any sense America's grandparents alright and that's kind of how I view them I mean it'd be cool to go over to their house for Christmas or Hanukkah in Mel's case oh yeah um, I just I think it would be a blast um, this one if you're into even Star Wars even in the littlest bit You've got to make sure you catch, you check out Spaceballs. If you're a fan of Alien, 
you've got to check out Spaceballs. Hell, even if you're a fan of Warner Brothers Looney Tunes cartoons, there's a throwback in there for you. And Star Trek as well. I forgot about the Star Trek reference. Oh, I didn't. (laughs) I'm sure you didn't. (laughs) You probably have 18 pages of notes. I'm going from memory. (laughs) (laughs) I love this movie. I told you it's in my top 10. It's deservedly one of the... It's it's one of... When it comes to Mel Brooks movies, it is a top five film for me. Um, because I have to put Blazing Saddles at one. I go History of the World Part 2 as my number two. Then I drop in Young Frankenstein. Then a very little scene movie that most people probably don't remember. Uh... I'm trying to think. I think it was called Love Hurts or Get a It was a very one where he actually didn't play. A, it wasn't a parody. He was actually just an actor in it. It was kind of a parody of uh, Trading Places hmm. where he had to give up his money and go and, and be homeless. And he ends up falling in love with a homeless woman. I take it you haven't seen this one. Nope. I'll find a link to that one and send it to you after we get done. Awesome. Um, but yeah, the this is one of those movies, though, that is, is to me is going to be eternally timeless, much like Star Wars. And as long as people are watching Star Wars, they're going to be watching Spaceballs. Definitely. Um, I don't advise you watch the Spaceballs animated series. It wasn't worth a damn. No, don't even go there. Now we have to leave Space Mountain and head to Frontierland. <laughs> yes. Because it's time for a man in a yellow cowboy suit with Gucci saddlebags <laughs> to ride up on a man with a gun, on a man with a laurel and a hearty handshake. <laughs> <laughs> we speak, of course, of Mel Brooks' breakthrough film. The movie I consider to be the greatest comedic achievement in film ever. Blazing Saddles. 1974. We weren't even born yet. Nope, I was a negative four. (laughs) (laughs) And this movie is still relevant with, and actually probably would not be made. uh, Oh, good Lord, it couldn't have been made. I don't think it could have been made after like 1985. Nope. This was one of those. I have a fun story about the first time I ever saw this film. Every time I saw it, it was on TV and everything was bleeped out and edited. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you're going to love this. I was 12 or 13. The youth group at the church had an overnight at the pastor's or at the uh, youth minister's house. Oh, no. His wife and the girls from the youth group had gone over to one of the girls' houses, and they were spending the night over there, and all the guys were over at the youth director's house. And he breaks out blazing saddles. Now, I'd never seen this movie before. This is the same youth minister that took us to Hooters when we were in St. Louis. Oh, my goodness. You can see why he was one of our favorites. 
Yes. Um, but yeah, we we watched Blazing Saddles, and I remember getting done with it the first time, and I remember going home and talking to my dad, going, "Dad, I found a western that you and I got to watch together. It's one of the funniest damn things I've ever seen. It's called Blazing Saddles. I don't know if you've ever even heard of it before." <laughs> <laughs> and my dad's like, oh, yeah, I've heard of it. He's like, go to the video store and get it. Of course, the video store, then I could actually jump on a bike, ride to the video store, grab it, come back. Mm-hmm. So I go and rent the movie as soon as the guy returned it, <laughs> bring it home and watch it with dad two or three times. <laughs> uh, and it's one of those movies that my wife will not watch with me now. Why not? Because I can quote the entire film from start to finish. <laughs> and oftentimes do. Okay. Um, is it just me or is the world rising (laughs) I don't know what it is but whatever it is I hate it (laughs) I love this movie Um, I think I read somewhere that Mel Brooks wrote this because he was just angry and mad at the way the world was or or the direction that the world was headed with racism and everything. It it was in part that, and he actually co-wrote the film with Richard Pryor. Yes. Richard Pryor, oddly enough, wrote all the Jewish jokes. (laughs) Mel wrote all the black jokes. Yep. And, the original intention for the film, and I don't know that many people know this, the original choices to play the lead characters were Richard Pryor as Bart uh-huh. and John Wayne as the Waco Kid. Yes. John Wayne, however, read the script, looked at it and said, I can't do this. <laughs> I would love to, but I cannot do this. And they end up going to Gene Wilder. And actually, Gene wasn't the one that was filming first. No, they had another guy there, but he didn't last. And I never can remember his name. Um, But Uh, he got replaced like first day on set. Yeah, because they turned him upside down for the, um, the jail scene and he threw up. Right. He was a, he was a real alcoholic. Right. And then you have, of course, Cleveland Little comes on to play Sheriff Bart. Yep. And Cleveland Little didn't really have a, a, a big career before or after this, honestly. Uh, he went on to play. He was in a, had a had a role as a butler in a film in the 80s called Once Bitten. That starred a very young Jim Carrey. It was a vampire flick. Yeah. Uh, That may be a good one to tie in if we ever do vampires again. Or if we ever do vampires. But I didn't even think about that one. No, but Blazing Saddles is one of the... To me, it's not even your main characters that make this movie what it was. Nope. Slim Pickens... As Taggart, the ranch boss or trail boss, is one of the funniest human beings ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's even funny if you go back and watch him in a very small role in uh, Steven Spielberg's 1942 or 1941. Excuse me. Um, Very good. Just great character actor. 
Harvey Corman, of course, everybody knows from his time on the Carol Burnett show. Yep. You just, it, it, they just brought in every anybody and everybody they could in this one. Again, you have Dom DeLuise throwing, going through here again. I mean, it was just. And you have the same hangman that was. Like, yes, the hangman shows up again in uh, Robin, Hood. Robin Hood. And it's, <laughs> when it comes to this movie, it was, it's actually the reason, one of the reasons that I made the acquaintance of Rick Cheddar over at Radio Memphis. Really? They, he was, when he was doing Afternoon Drive over on the other station, he and his co-host used to ask a question to the audience and you could call in or you could email whatever you wanted to do. And this was the first question that was asked that led to me becoming a pretty regular contributor on that show. And the question was, if you could have one piece of memory move, movie memorabilia, what would you want? And my answer to this day is still the same. I want those Gucci saddlebags. <laughs> I think that's the coolest damn thing in that movie. Those are pretty cool. But then you just... You have to factor in the people that are... Lloyd, for God's sake... The guy that plays Taggart's second in command. Oh, bless his heart. Who actually went on to start in some commercials around the Memphis market. Mm-hmm. Um, he definitely had some. He had the the most lines you could never quote. <laughs> um, except for I say we give him the Mongo. Mongo, holy shit, that's too cruel. <laughs> okay. But you have to look at this in the way of this. The, there were no unimportant parts in this film. That's very true. Every single line that I could tell had a reason for existing. And another instance of Mel Brooks actually playing a triple role in this film as Gabby Johnson, as the governor, and also as the Indian chief yep. who captures and lets Barton and his family go, actually. Yep. Um, it's just one of those that could this movie get made today? No. And if you watch it from the standpoint of being a racist, you're going to see it for what you want it to be. If you watch it from the standpoint of this is a very telling way of making fun of the idiocracy of racism. Right. You get much more out of this project and you'll get a lot more out of this film that way. Yep. Although you know another controversial scene was when it when it first came out, besides, you know, all the racial stuff. What's that? One of the most controversial scenes was the farting scene. Oh, come on, the beans. Yes. That was like the executive I read somewhere that the executives wanted them to take wanted him to take that out because there had never been I think up to that point 
and movie with a fart sound in it. And I think he, if I remember correctly, he argued that he, because it was a scene of ranch hands eating railroad workers, eating beans and drinking coffee, that that's just the natural reaction of what would be happening. Uh, and, And if you look at the campfire scene, the funny stuff is watch the barbed wire, like knock on barbed wire before entering. (laughs) <laughs> There's yes. just these little stupid, and then Dame Lily von Stupp. Oh, I love love Madeline Kahn. She's one of my favorite actresses. Madeline Kahn as the Bavarian bombshell herself. The I'm man. When she thinks oh, I'm tough. I'm tough. Let's face it. Everything below the waist is kaput. <laughs> um. <laughs> She is the man who plays with Sheriff Bart Schnitzengruben. <laughs> and 13 is apparently his limit. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> but the whole part when, when you hear, when she goes, so is it twoo what they say about you people? It's twoo, it's twoo. I die every time. But you know what? There's a line that was taken out after that. There what? What was that? It said, I hate to disappoint you, but you're sucking on my arm. Oh, dear God. <laughs> That's, they need to put that back in now. I think they put it back in for one of the DVD releases. It's not on one of the ones I have, damn it. <laughs> I'm going to have to be looking for a new version now. <laughs> But this was, I I, got to say, there's just so much with these three movies. We could have done an hour on each one of these films. Oh, definitely. Um, But we wanted to give you guys kind of a quick rundown of three that we think, even though they are silly, and yes, to a degree, they are cheesy. Like, we're missing, like, one of the biggest scenes in Blazing Saddles. The ending? The Great Pie Fight. The Great Pie Fight. My one of my favorite scenes is is when the when, when the cattle rustlers come through town. When when the guy gets he's getting pulled around, he goes, "Well, that's the end of this suit." It's just you, you and, and I hate to admit it, but the little old lady always makes me laugh. Oh yes. Have you ever seen anything so cruel? <laughs> Of course, you'll have the common decency not to tell anyone I spoke to you. <laughs> exactly. Love it. And we can all, we cannot forget the fact that Sheriff Bart is the inventor of the candy gram. Yes. <laughs> Sheriff Bart, so only lovely. man whip Mongo. <laughs> <laughs> Mongo, only pawn in game of life. I have said that more times to people in my lifetime. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But, yes, we have to talk about the great pie fight in the commissary and around the studio as they were doing this. Because Dom DeLuise as the director. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. And when he steps into the water. Stick out your tush. (laughs) It's on your knees. Give him a push. (laughs) Uh, the fact that oh Mel you brute Brooks, you brute you brute <laughs> that Mel Brooks takes the set like the cardboard 
um, the cutout, the, the cardboard cutouts. And then all of a sudden it becomes the sound stage and it becomes real. And they just start fighting from sound stage to sound stage. And I love the part where, um, ah, he, he hits them and, uh, he hits them, which, uh, what is the sheriff? Uh, Taggart. When Taggart hits Taggart. the guy and goes, screw you, I'm working for Mel Brooks. Yes. That's like the best. Because Mel Brooks, in every contract that he that he has, the uh, executive producer sign and everything, he has final say in every movie he makes. So he gets to decide what stays in and what stays out. So they can complain all they want. But he gets the final say so. I am so glad that we did this review show <laughs> in this order to end on such a positive note with Blazing Saddles. Yes. And folks, we don't know at the at this point, I think we can only tell you that the next time you hear us is going to be cars. That's about all we know. Yeah. Yes, cars. It's going to be about cars or cars, trucks, you know, those kind of things. Those kind of things. Things that run on gas. <laughs> and I don't mean my other co host. Ha. I can't wait till he hears this one. <laughs> I know he has <laughs> to cut it. Um, I, I just, ah, bad choice of words. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it kind of was, wasn't it? But it is, as always, love sharing our passion for these goofy little movies. We hope you get a kick out of it. If you're out there and you want to learn more from us, follow us over there on the fire breathing Twitter machine at cheesy nerds. And we'll keep you up to date when these new episodes are coming out or hit that subscribe button on your podcatcher and make sure you don't miss an episode, but we'll be back next week or the week after that, or hell we'll be back sometime until then. Just remember the geek shall inherit the earth. And I'm Kevlar Kate saying, bring on the cheese, but do it Mel Brooks style by breaking the fourth wall. And we're out of here. <laughs>